0: like to know all about the facts in the james bond movies well today we're speaking with the man Stephen j rubin who wrote the book on it called the james bond movie encyclopedia so let's get to him in our smartest spy in the room segment all right welcome steve to the smartest spy in the room segment we're thrilled to have you on the show cracking the code of spy movies
1: Dan, it's so so classy to be here at Spy Movie Navigator, which is the epicenter of Earth's spy fascination. <laughs> nice.
0: <laughs> nice. First of all, we love the new updated book. I've got my copy right here, the James Bond Movie Encyclopedia. We've owned and read all your previous versions as well, and love the new Keep color. It still
2: so they can read it. Yeah, I love get the new color copy. photos
0: and everything. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Steve's got one, I got one. It is gorgeous.
0: Yeah, it is. Love the new color photos and all the great James Bond movie facts. Terrific stuff.
2: Yeah, so Steve, we know you as Stephen J. Rubin, as your author name for what is the next book is, the James Bond movie encyclopedia. Can you give us a quick background on yourself? I know you don't just do the James Bond stuff, so if you can kind of talk about some of the things you've done so the audience understands who you are.
1: Sure. No, of course. Of course. I I think of myself as a film historian, but my day-to-day stuff is more oriented towards uh, film and television. I'm a writer-producer. I'm out trying to sell movies and television shows every day. I graduated UCLA with a bachelor's in history, started writing my first book uh, on World War II movies of the 40s, 50s, and 60s. It was published in 1981, the same year as my first James Bond uh, book. So I started writing about uh, World War II movies and I learned early on that not that many people were interested in it. I wanted to write on a subject that was universal. And I I had read John Brosnan's book, *The James Bond in the Cinema, back in the early 70s. And it had a little bit of behind the scenes information. But at that time, I was a staff writer at Cinefantastique magazine in Chicago, which was one of the first major magazines that dealt with science fiction, fantasy, and horror. And I'd become kind of the in-house film archaeologist on films of the 50s. And starting in the mid-70s, I had published some articles on films like The Day the Earth Stood Still and Forbidden Planet and War of the Worlds that got a a lot of attention nationally. I even got a personal note from Leonard Maltin, who was one of my heroes who wrote oh, wow. that wonderful film guide every yeah. year. Wow. And it encouraged me to do this kind of deep research. And at that time, I decided to approach Albert R. Broccoli and, and tell him about my interest in treating the Bond films as a strict historical approach. And I got total cooperation from them. And I, I went to London that summer of 1977. and I did all my interviews and they opened up all their files to me. They Very gave cool. me copies of the call sheets on the first 10 films. So when I quote that they were shooting this on a certain day, it's basically right off the call sheet. You nice. know, And little facts kind of creep into call sheets that the public wouldn't normally know. Like Anthony Dawson being on set for From Russia With Love playing Blofeld. I mean, obviously... He's, he's not credited, He's mm-hmm. probably doing a favor, but that kind of stuff made the book really fun. And that was the first book, the James Bond films, a behind the scenes history, which as I said, was published in 81, updated in 83. And then I was approached by another Chicago company, Contemporary Books in 1990, to do an encyclopedia. They had had success with the Marilyn Monroe and Elvis Presley's encyclopedias. So Bond was a natural for them. And I kind of jumped at the idea because uh, I've always thought of the Bond films as well as the novels full of facts and facts that needed to be defined. And uh, the book is not what I call so much as read it cover to cover type book. It's a celebration that you can dip into whenever you want. And so the four four encyclopedias I've done, the, uh, the first one in 90, the update in 95, the second update in 2003, and now this latest one, is my pure way of celebrating the Bond series with the fans, you know, and I'm just thrilled the way the book turned out.
0: Yeah, it looks great. And of course I've paged through it. Just like you said, it's great for paging through and looking up things you're interested in and finding a particular fact that, oh, that's pretty interesting.
1: I didn't know that kind of thing. Well, and
2: you've put these color pictures in with this, with this edition too, which is really nice. Yeah. It really looks beautiful.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And I have to give Chicago Review Press credit because they, they have this finest quality paper. Yeah. The photos are breathtakingly reproduced here. I also had, uh, I had luck to deal with some artists who basically let me feature their artwork, including Jeff Marshall's wonderful paintings, which I think are just so stunning yeah. in kind of capturing the whole Bond uh, world. Very cool.
0: All right, Steve, tell us what kind of research went into the book and how long did that take you?
1: Well, I had to retype the original copy of the book. I hadn't written a Bond encyclopedia since 03, so 17 years had passed, and I couldn't find my original uh, Word documents, so I had to literally retype the whole book. And in doing so, I had had the experience of working on an encyclopedia with Chicago Review Press because they had done two years ago the Twilight Zone encyclopedia, which I did for them. And so I kind of knew what they were looking for. They don't particularly like me getting too into the nitty gritty trivia, you know, signposts, telephone (laughs) numbers, real minutia that may or may not play. So I excised a lot of that stuff out of the book. And then in terms of the individual biographies, I was able to augment them to include more of their filmographies. So if you want to know, for instance, what uh, honor blackman did before she did bond or even after she did bond i have a lot more biographical information in the book so each biography and there's probably three or four hundred biographies in the book had to be updated considerably to to include their latest movies and also i since i had not done an encyclopedia since 2003 i had not covered any of the uh, daniel craig movies so i had to get deeply into every aspect of the Daniel Craig movies. Generally what I do is I watch the movie with a little legal pad and every time a fact is mentioned in the movie I write it down and we determine which ones we're going to put in as entries in the book and uh, keep, keep it not as, not as, as much minutiae but going heavily into the people who made the films and as much more about the films as we could get in.
0: You probably met all kinds of people. <laughs> In your research and so on so what kind of interesting people did you meet along the way here steve
1: well a lot of my research was done way back in the day so uh you know when i went over to london god 43 years ago i interviewed people like terence young and peter hunt and wow. uh, a lot of people uh, and then i came back to l i interviewed richard Maybaum, tom mankowitz cubby broccoli harry saltzman George Lazenby. I never could get to Sean. Every time I would try to get an interview with Sean Connery, he was not available. And it's (laughs) it's tough, but that's okay Because thanks to the internet, a lot of this material now is available on the internet that you can kind of piece your way through to find salient facts. But I would say that some of my more interesting interviews were with people who weren't the high profile people, you know, people who could tell you a little bit of something that nobody had asked them about before. For instance, I interviewed Bill Hill. Now, Bill Hill is a production manager. He happens to be the production manager in From Russia With Love, and when they needed a British agent to walk into the bathroom with Grant, the Robert Shaw character, and get bumped off, so Grant steals his briefcase and his little bowler, Bill Hill volunteered and Bill told me all about the uh, moment. And it was one of those priceless little moments. And I love that kind of stuff. And then talking to Mrs. Johnny Jordan was interesting. Johnny Jordan was the helicopter cameraman who was filming the helicopter chase and you only lived twice above the volcanoes in uh, Japan and an updraft threw one of the helicopters up toward the camera ship and slammed into his ski, chopped off his leg, in this aerial sequence and his leg fell into a, oh. a some kind of rehabilitation facility so <laughs> they tried to reattach it which didn't absolutely work but he's a real hero because not only did he go back to filming he's he's filming the ski chases in honor majesty's secret service from a parachute rig that hangs under the helicopter which i feature of course in my book and okay. so moments that, like that were interesting and then Mrs. Charlie Ruchon, who does, nobody knows who that is or particularly cares, but there's always, there's always been this interesting little cryptic uh, welcome message on the hangar. Goldfinger. When the airplanes are putting Fort Knox to sleep uh-huh. in Goldfinger, there's a sign that says, welcome General Roushan." Well, Charlie Roushan was the military liaison guy for Eon Productions. He was the one who got them all the cooperation with Fort Knox, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, Mrs. Ruchon shared with me information and he has a little cameo. He's an Air Force officer sitting next to the desk when uh, they're talking about the operation in Thunderball. But I love that kind of stuff. I I will admit I have had more passion for the first James Bond movies I saw as a kid, Dr. No from Russia, Love, Goldfinger, Thunderball, You Only Live Twice, Secret Service, and not as much passion for the later ones, although I respect them. And I think Casino Royale, the first Daniel Craig, yeah. was one of the best spy movies in decades. Ever. And rivals my favorite, which is Goldfinger.
2: Well, and I love, you, you've you taken these stories that you just talked about, and those stories, and a bunch of others are in the encyclopedia. Yeah. And it's, it's fascinating reading because, like you say, it's, it's not just, oh, I talked to Cubby. It's, yeah. I talked to these other people who really helped I think, give you the shape and the, the, the behind-the-scenes depth, if you will, to these, and, and you bring it out very well in the way you've written these different sections of the encyclopedia. Well,
1: thank you, Tom. I, I think that if you're going to tell the history of anything, you need to go to the actual people. It's really critical. I don't necessarily like just writing from third hand, although sometimes I'm forced to. But I think that whenever I can find a little fact or a mention that, that people don't normally know, I jump all over that. And, yeah. I, and I think that the book is kind of a mixture of those great images that we found, plus those little facts.
0: Yeah, I love the little stories. And I, I, I think that really embellishes the book and expands it in a way that is unique and that most other treatments just don't cover that kind of stuff.
1: Also, when you start to look at the resumes of all these performers, you realize that they've worked together at other times. You know, it wasn't the first time they'd seen each other. I mean, Terrence Young had his own film stock company because he was mentored by John Ford and Young just loved to bring his guys back in. So not surprising that Anthony Dawson would do him a favor playing Blofeld in From Russia With Love. You know, those kinds of things would happen a lot. And, and then later on, it's kind of fun to see how some of these people came back together. I mean, there's, it's funny because I don't think I've ever seen the movie, but there was a spoof of uh, the Bond movies called Operation Kid Brother. Mm-hmm. It featured Sean Connery's brother <laughs> as a James <laughs> yeah, Bond kind of clone, N- Neil Connery. Yep. And a lot of Bond players from the series joined him in that. Let's see, um, Lois Maxwell's in it, Anthony Dawson's in it, Daniela Bianchi, the girl from From yeah. Russia with Love is in it. So, you know, it's fun to see how these people came back together.
0: Yeah, they always talk about the Bond family and, and what you're saying now just just verifies that, that you have these connections with people and they kind of do things together that you normally maybe wouldn't wouldn't see.
2: Now, do cool. you see that with some of the other genres that you write about? Because you don't just write about Bond. I'm very myopic, right? I'm pretty much just spy movies, mm-hmm. but I, I know you've done some you know, writings on other, other films and television shows. Do you see that, that family kind of feel there or is it fairly unique to the Bond experience?
1: Well, for The Twilight Zone, Rod Serling definitely had his favorites. I mean, uh, you see Burgess Meredith, you see Jack Klugman, mm-hmm. you see actors like that, William Shatner did a couple, I mean, they, they like to play with people who did wonderful things for them. I think Hollywood is an interesting um, situation to crack for new players because it's always very difficult to break in when people generally are working with their friends already. Mm-hmm. So it's often you have to fight uphill to get noticed. And I've discovered that if you don't know somebody personally in Hollywood, it's very difficult to get any kind of action. You know, I'm out there every day, selling movies and tv shows uh right now i've uh with my partner arthur friedman we've acquired the the book uh the best biography on world war ii hero audie murphy oh, wow. and we want to make a uh, eight-part television mini-series a limited series about the life of audie murphy and uh There's another great story, and we think having the book and having a unique approach to the character could make this work. Sometimes you don't do the movie again. It's a movie's too small to contain a story like that, because Audie Murphy's story not only involves World War II, it involves Hollywood because he became a movie star. Yeah,
2: that's cool. You mentioned some of the people involved in getting the James Bond movie encyclopedia out the door any others you wanted to mention anything that you know I have
1: to uh Tom I have to talk about the team I put together to supply me with the illustrations because I think at the end of the day people are going to buy the book for the illustrations because um one of the things I've always had challenge is that I do not have a relationship with Eon Productions They, they I'm kind of the maverick so they're not going to give me everything in the in the vials anymore so I go out into the marketplace and i find people who have collections of bond stills and then this time i launched a worldwide search and uh, i went over to england sweden and france met some extraordinary people um anders Freyd is a wonderful you know anders he's he's great and his uh website from sweden with love is a a Bond centerpiece in Europe, and he gave me hundreds of pictures. I went to Paris, met Luc Leclerc, who's the French president of the French Bond fan club. He gave me photos. I, I went to the James Bond, found, uh, actually the Ian Fleming Foundation in Santa Barbara, Michael Van Blericum, he gave me pictures. I also went to Penguin Books Random House to get permission to reproduce the covers of the first 10 signet paperback Ian Fleming books, which were the books I read as a junior high school student and got me first interested in Bond. Actually, my father was responsible because my father would generally go on business trips and bring back Westerns. And I have no interest in reading Westerns. <laughs> but one day he dropped Goldfinger on my desk and said, you might like this. <laughs> and I'm looking at a, a picture on the cover. I'm, let's see, I'm um, probably 12. And I'm looking at a cover of a book, and it has a naked blonde woman on the cover in gold.
2: Are you not going to like that?
1: (laughs) So I'm saying, well, maybe this is something interesting. And then when you start to read Goldfinger and the way he describes women, uh, it's it's let's let's say it's just something that you know this is somebody who'd been reading DC comic books. All of a sudden, uh, and oh, and I was reading Doctor Doolittle at that time. This was not exactly Doctor (laughs) Doolittle. (laughs)
0: a little bit of an upgrade (laughs) really
1: yeah exactly as i've said uh, i I said it for years that the james bond movies kind of ruined me for women for a few decades
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's good Uh, we talked a little bit about the challenges you had in writing the book the the james bond movie encyclopedia and you talked a little bit about verifying the facts like the call sheets and so on Steve, you have any other kind of stories about that where you're verifying the facts and There's some interesting little twists in that.
1: Well, I have to credit the editorial team at Chicago Review Press, particularly Devin Freeney, who's my editor. I mean, he's he's very specific about, you know, getting back up on anything I said. So he was all over the internet, checking things. Writing an encyclopedia is an organic enterprise because things are constantly changing within even entries. People live and die. you have to record their death dates. Even since the book was published, uh, it's been out now. People have died. I mean, we lost Margaret Nolan a, yes. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. You know, Honor Blackman Final passed plan. away. Claudine Auger. All the great Bond girls of the '60s—they're uh, no longer 30 years old, unfortunately. Yeah. But in our in our mind's eye, they will always be 30 years old. It's you know it's uh, uh, one thing I have learned having published several Bond books is that the fans demand accuracy. You know, they don't want third-hand, uh, you think. They wanna know things. So if I couldn't verify a fact, I didn't put it in the book. And, in, I was, I, and I, 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 even though I don't get official cooperation from the Bond people, I do see their press kits on the, on the uh-huh. internet. I can go into their video press kits. I can see actual interviews with the cast and filmmakers, and I would pull quotes from those. I didn't have time to go all over the world and track down a lot of the Bond people who've made the newer films, but I've got quotes from a lot of different sources.
2: Great. Yeah. So as you're, as you're getting these, these data, right, all the, I'm a database guy. So for, for me, it's all data, right? <laughs> so each, each fact that you're getting, I, I imagine you had tens of thousands of these. In this book, you've got over a thousand entries, but I know you had more than that. So you mentioned the fact that for this version of the, of the encyclopedia, you took out some of the menu, what you call the minutia. By the way, we keep in our database because that's really good for, for somebody looking in a database. But if you're looking at an encyclopedia, you, you really don't want that. But how, how did you make some of those tough calls where it's like, do I keep this, do I not? And what were the, some of the decision points on that?
1: It's tough. It's very difficult. I mean, uh, I, I think that uh Devin wanted me to keep it around 250,000 words and I think my first draft was 400,000 words so I mean I was I had a great task to fulfill it, well in terms of the performers I think every major performer in the series is there with a you know, and a few more than that but other than the top ten, I would have to cut away some of the biographies because I, I had I had biographies on on more bit players mm-hmm. and their right. their brief moments. But I think the the key ones are there. Uh, it's funny. A friend of mine said, "How could you leave Robert Brownjohn out?" And Robert yeah, yeah, Brownjohn yeah. did the titles for from Russia, Love and Goldfinger, Goldfinger. And I just I had to, although he's mentioned in text. He's
2: mentioned. Do you have an anecdote on him?
1: Yeah, I have a great anecdote from my friend Frank Tidy. So I mean, the thing is. You know, it's hard sometimes. Uh, I had probably pages and pages and pages of numbers. Numbers that had meaning in each movie. You know, obviously the the A-bomb ticking down to 007 and Goldfinger, that kind of a number. How much, you know, certain things are worth in the story, how much they're bought for, how much they're sold for, how much they're won for in gambling. And I probably had maybe 80 or 90 uh, number entries, and now I have like 20. So I had to cut those down.
2: Um, well, I, and I like the way you did it in this encyclopedia because you created an entry of those numbers.
1: Yes. So if you're looking
2: right. for the – I'm looking for the, the detail stuff. You've got one place to go where in the old encyclopedia it was – you had to know where to go to try to find that kind right. of stuff. Right,
1: and now that's an interesting question you bring up, Tom, because somebody complained with my Twilight Zone encyclopedia, where's the index? And I looked at them a little bit askance and said, well, wait a second, the book is an index. <laughs> the it's whole an alphabetical it. A to Z. I'm not going to spend another two weeks compiling every fact into an index. So you're just going to have to work a little bit harder in this book. I'm sorry, but you know, that's just the way it is it should be a little bit of a surprise for you too you don't you know you turn to a page you never know what you're going to find on that page it should be fun with it capital f
0: yeah that is the oh, fun of it i think it's terrific you could just flip to virtually any page and there's something like I'll, interesting
1: I'll, I'll open the book right now and i'll just <laughs> i'm a fan and i'll jump in and i'm reading on page 198 we're reading about olga kurilenko who is the lead female in quantum of solace nice. yeah played the Brazilian woman, yeah. uh, Camille, Ma- Ma- excuse me, Bolivian woman, Camille Montes. Yeah. And then yeah. the same page, we got Bert Kwok. And Bert Kwok, of course, played Mr. Ling, the nuclear fission expert in, uh, in Goldfinger. And I, I have a nice picture of Bert. And I've got a nice picture of Olga. And then we get into the L's. And then we're talking about dialogue from Tom Mankiewicz's script. The first entry in L is La Roche Foucault. <laughs> who's a French writer, philosopher, quoted in, uh, you know, by Blofeld in Diamonds uh, <laughs> Are Forever, which um, was Tom Mankiewicz's favorite line in the movie. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: yeah well, and, the I like you got,
2: and the thing is, you've got those nice pictures in there. So, what we've done on our end is we've taken these and put them into a database, but I don't have the pictures, right? So, if you, it, and I really think the pictures enhance the experience. If you want to get the hunt and pecking kind of stuff, the database helps you with that. But it, the book gives you a much oh, yeah. more visual part a visual
1: presentation, of which was critical because yeah. I think that selling books has changed a lot. Forget about novels. Novels will always sell because people need to read them on airplanes. But writing books about film history, you've got to pay a great deal of attention to the visual presentation because for, there are 19 reasons for people not to pick up your book. You want to give them 25 reasons to pick up your book.
0: Yeah. I mean, you've done a lot of research. You've done a lot of interviews here, like you mentioned, with Cubby Broccoli and Richard Maybaum and uh, and others. I mean, what were your favorite stories from those? Or Any story that you haven't told before from, from some of these interviews that maybe we can share now? <laughs> a little incidental intelligence.
2: Or well, that your editor made you cut that you want to keep in.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I had a funny experience. It's not directly related to the book, but I was asked to do the commentary track on the first three Bond movies that were featured on Laserdisc. And they, they became kind of a cause celeb because um, this is for the Criterion Collection, and they're, they're known for doing those really high-end Laserdisc presentations with a lot of behind the scenes commentary. However, the gentleman who was running Criterion at the Time is now my writing partner, David Lee Miller. And David (laughs) Lee Miller and I really, excuse the phrase, we bonded on those discs. (laughs) But uh, basically, he never asked for permission from Cubby Broccoli to feature a commentary track. David went around and interviewed almost everybody involved with the first three Bond movies, including Terrence Young and Peter Hunt and Richard and, and. they were very candid with their discussions <laughs> of the movie. I mean, uh, uh, let's see, Kareem Bey's girlfriend in From Russia, Love, who's pining for him from the settee to come make love to her. Ali Kareem Bey, Ali Kareem Bey. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, when she laid back, you see her full cleavage and her structure and uh, Taryn Chung on audio on cue says, now that's what I call production value. And I thought, <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, he, then he has this guy, uh, we were talking about um, Lottie Lenya, who played Rosa Kleb, you yeah. know, the, the agent. And he's talking about, he's talking about Rosa Kleb and saying, you know, she was like 82 years old and she was still screwing like crazy. <laughs> and he says this on the, audit, the audio commentary track. So I can just imagine what Cubby Broccoli thought when he heard that commentary truck. So all of those discs were pulled from the stores. They were forced to be taken back and they became collector's items, of course. But I thought that that was funny. And Terrence Young, I have to say, was one of the most colorful interviews I'd ever had because he... He just had so many interesting observations about putting the Bond films together. And then, then of course, when you hear some of his commentaries on the actual discs, you know, you see like, for instance, I, I love little moments like when, when Sean is getting out of the canoe where he's been uh, dallying with Sylvia Trench at the beginning of From Russia With Love and he walks over to answer his, and call in uh, after he gets a beeper. He's wearing this shirt, he's putting on his shirt and Chen uh, says, yeah, that's my shirt. I I loaned it to Sean for that moment. And moments like that are just classic. And then I remember Richard Jenkins was like a second or third AD on Thunderball. And when they're running the Jun Canoe parade all around uh, Nassau going whistle, whistle, boom, boom, whistle, whistle, boom, boom. He said that, Terrence said, I'm getting a headache. We got to stop this right now. So they stopped the parade for a few minutes. So Terrence could have some more champagne and get rid of his headache. But, you know, you have 10,000 people in this parade. And uh, Jenkins also said that the performers were wearing paper costumes. And after going around a few few times, the paper started falling off and they were were kind of semi-nude. So that didn't quite work. (laughs) Those are great stories. Those
2: are great (laughs) stories. So you you talk about some of those interviews, and you mentioned that you never got to interview Sean. Anybody else you would have really liked to have gotten to?
1: You know, I've become a huge fan of Casino Royale. I think that Casino Royale rebooted the series. It blew out all the stops. And I think that brought in the Daniel Craig era, which has been a big bonanza for the Bond series. I think they're going to be sad to see him go after no time to die. I think he's done his last Bond I would have loved to have sat down with the team that put casino royale together starting with the director and and the, the production team that would have been fun and also it would be fun to sit down with barbara and michael you know the producers and find out what their dynamics are these days because uh, yeah. they've faced enormous challenges i mean this whole COVID era i mean when are we going to see no time to die it's crazy i mean it was it was November, then it was April, and it was November. Yeah. Now it's up April again. I mean, it's, it's, I heard they just recently turned down six, no, they turned down $400 million from Netflix for streaming. Wow. Yeah. To stream it.
2: Crazy.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: That's a big number.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's hard. I think they were thinking the same kind of thing for Skyfall that it would be a billion dollar box office kind of hit. And that's what they're shooting for. But
1: it's been tough. And stuff for the wait-
2: to, if they do decide to stream it first would you still wait for it to get to the theaters or would you watch it streamed
1: I think the first time you want to watch a James Bond movie you want to watch it on the big screen in a theater I I'm 100% it's almost with sacrosanct you on that. to even think of watching it first on television first of all when you watch a Bond movie in an audience I mean there's, there's the whole dynamic yes. going on now do really do we really have to go to movies anymore I mean is it everything's available, streaming, blah, blah, blah. But that's baloney. I mean, you go to the movies for the visceral experience of being in a crowd that's gonna ooh and ah, just like you are, or laugh or jig. uh, I still maintain 56 years later, Goldfinger in a theater has the same laughs it did back in 64. I mean, when she says, my name is Pussy Galore, and he says, I must be dreaming, must be dreaming. the whole audience bursts out <laughs> laughing. You're not going to achieve that in a room by yourself. Come on. And then, of course, they've packed this new Bond movie with a lot of stuff. I mean, it's, it's packed to the gills. It's, I think it's over um, two hours and 40 minutes. Yes. I mean, it's a big, big, serious, chunky Bond movie, which I'm looking forward to.
0: Yeah. Me too. Can't wait.
2: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: <laughs> I think we
1: may I, have I've, to. <laughs> always, I've always said, uh, guys, that there are three things certain in life. Death, taxes, and James Bond movies. <laughs> I have no doubt that there will be Bond movies into the next century. Yeah. This, is yeah. the, this is the gift that keeps on giving, and it's because they've never strayed from it being a family entertainment. There, there was a little bit of stray... In the second uh, Timothy Dalton movie, uh, License to Kill, it got to be a little too dark. But I think overall, there are very few staples in entertainment that have delivered like the James Bond movies. Absolutely true.
2: So we talked about some of the interviews you've done, where you've gotten some of your facts, any of the entries in the book that you just found absolutely fascinating that you didn't get from an interview? And how did you find it?
1: You know, it's very interesting. Um, when you watch the movies very carefully and you discover things that you didn't notice before, sometimes that makes a very good entry. And the one that comes to mind, of course, is, and I probably didn't uh, pay, pay much attention to it when I first heard about it, but when uh, the A-bomb is ticking down on Goldfinger and it's, it ticks down to 007, you hear Sean's dialogue, three more ticks and Mr. Goldfinger would have hit the jackpot. Well, excuse me, Sean. It says 007, and the way it was explained to me by Peter Hunt was simply that they came up with the 007 idea after the fact, and they had didn't have time to change the line. Three more ticks stayed in there, and there are a few of those in the movie that uh, in the movies that pop up that just you you get them you get the entries from repeated viewing of things, you know things that uh, that don't make a lot of sense. And of course, uh, Peter Hunt was always trying to fix continuity errors in the movies he points to a number of them on thunderball where right. bond is underwater he takes the black ma- he, uh, he loses <laughs> right. blue mask takes a black mask and then uh, the scene later he's wearing the blue mask again things like that but that's a whole different ball of wax but in terms of i get my entries from all different sorts of things from watching the movies from the interviews from the internet talking to friends. For instance, when one of my first Bond books came out, I got a lot of uh, people writing me saying, would you include this entry in uh, your next edition? Like for instance, uh, and I'll look him up right now, because this was something I did not put it in the book originally. And um, what happened was one of the Bond fans wrote to me and said, you should put this in the book. So, for instance, on page one twelve, I have an entry for Gary Dubin. Who the heck is Gary Dubin? Well, Gary Dubin is that little kid who's playing the water balloon game with Jill Saint John and Diamonds Are yeah. Forever, and she wins it real fast. He says, "Hey, wait a second! This game is Rick. Who's she? Your mother?" <laughs> well, Gary, Gary, <laughs> Gary had a moment, and uh, I had to. Put, and they said, "Why don't you put Gary in there?" So I put Gary in there just simply because. <laughs> he's a, has a great little kid moment. I thought, you know, the kid at the balloon game. Yeah. That stuff is cool.
2: That is. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. I mean, for for me, one of the things, and it's not, I wouldn't put it in, in an encyclopedia, but you talk about repeated viewings and what you catch out of it. The one that got me was in Dr. No when Duff and Bond get to Strangways to find out what happened there, they get out of the car and Duff turns towards the street. Mm-hmm. You actually see the three blind mice walking down the street. Yeah. Really? I, yeah, yeah, they they're in the background. It was the fifth wow. or sixth viewing where I caught that was yeah. going on. Yeah, and well, that's
1: that's that's actually very impressive because uh, I think the only thing I noticed in that movie was uh, when they shoot Strangways and the the hearse drives by. You can see the reflector lamp. In, the, uh, in <laughs> the reflection of the window. Uh,
2: yeah.
1: I don't know how you get rid of that, but no, that's, that's great. I have to. Yeah. Yeah. There was one
2: of those just little things in the background. I'm like, wow, talk about attention to detail. There's a th- I
1: wonder if they were stalking them.
2: Yeah, there was no mention of it. There was nothing. Yeah, it was they just... were just in the background, little, yeah. little yeah, guys in the background. You, you just see them, and it's like, yeah. wow.
0: There's a lot of interesting stuff like that. Like, I've been watching the saint repeats, and so much of his bond came out of The Saint, obviously, for Roger Moore. But in, in one of the episodes I just watched the other night, he's driving, uh, one of the characters in the, in the show is driving a DB5. And I stop it, I freeze frame it, and I'm looking, the license plate is BMT-216A. So I thought, what the hell? In reality, that was the first DB5 produced and it went from the saint to the bond movies <laughs> that's wow. why it has the same license plate number so it's I like this is cool and it was a it was originally painted red in the saint move in the saint it's a black and white show but it was painted red and they redid it into silver they said it was a couple different it was like moon gray silver or something but it was like there's a million little facts like that. So the more you watch stuff, the more you see, the more you find out it's fun. And the encyclopedia is just like that. You open it up and you find something new that you didn't Absolutely. know before.
1: And also, if you, if you're in particularly in love with a certain aspect of bond, I try to trumpet it. And then you have to refer to the women that way, because the women of the bond movies are so archetypal and they deserve as big a splash as possible because, um, aside from ruining me as a teenager, I think that they basically have delighted men and women for decades. And uh, I particularly was saddened to hear about the death of um, Claudine Auger earlier this year, because Claudine from Thunderball as Domino was probably the most striking woman I'd ever seen in cinema. And to this day, she still stands
2: out.
0: Yeah. She was terrific in that film. And, much like Goldfinger in the Goldfinger movie, wearing something gold all the time, Domino in Thunderball is mostly wearing something black or white or both.
1: <laughs> right, or yeah, exactly. So that's the kind of stuff that's fun to know. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's funny, I think the reason for the longevity of the Bond movies is, is that they've always shaken it up, You know, shaken, not stirred. I mean, they've shaken it up enough to to really give you something fresh and new, and something. And even though the Roger Moore films are, are termed a little too funny for today's taste because mm-hmm. we've gone to more of a grittier approach, I think the Bond movies of the 70s were big, huge international productions. They were tent poles before tent poles were standard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They were huge hits, money wise.
1: Yeah. I remember being in London. In 1990, because I was doing the encyclopedia at that time, the first edition, uh, Andy Bradford took me for a ride on his motorcycle. Andy Bradford was a stunt guy. His, his claim to fame in the Bond movies, that he plays 009, who's murdered in the beginning of Octopussy. You know, he's the one who finds the egg yeah. and brings it to the British embassy in East Berlin. And uh, I just... I, I'm not really a Bond... Type person. In other words, me riding on the back of a motorcycle for me was terrifying.
2: Especially with a stuntman driving. <laughs> yeah.
1: That adds a
0: little dimension to it.
1: There you go. <laughs> All
0: right, Steve, this book is fabulous. And as you know, we use the book as the basis for our SpyMDB database on our website, SpyMovieNavigator.com. And the book is available now, and it could order as of it today. As of right now. And so tell our listeners. Why the heck they should buy this book
1: (laughs) if you love the james bond movies as much as i do you really will see this as a feast for your eyes and your ears and your mind it's a total celebration of the bond movies in alphabetical order all your favorite bond movies are here from dr no to no time to die even though i haven't seen no time to die i got a few salient facts and they're up to date so the book is Pretty much up to date today, and uh, it's the first of my six Bond books to have color in it, and we have some wonderful photos and drawings, and the reproductions of those original signet covers of the Ian Fleming novels. It's both a kind of a retrospective and a futurespective of the great Bond series. It's great.
2: So now today's the day that this book releases. So now what? What do you? What else are you working on? You were saying. You're trying to sell some scripts and stuff. What else are you trying to do?
1: I'm doing everything. (laughs) Years ago, this predates Bond. I was one of the last people to interview Alfred Hitchcock. And I have a wonderful interview where he talks about the birds. And we're animating a section of it right now. And I'm developing a series called Classic Hollywood Speaks. And it's going to be f- interviews with classic Hollywood players, but they'll are, they'll be animated. It'll be the original audio that I pulled from the interview. My interviews will be there, but it's going to be uh, I'm going to sell it as a series. That's my hope.
2: Nice, oh, I've that's been working
1: cool. On that, yeah, and cool. uh, then a million other things: movie projects, TV projects across all genres. I've got comedies, I've got science fiction, and I'm helping out a friend with his western. I've got thrillers, dramas. You name it. That's all I do all day. We come up with ideas and see how far we can push them. I'm very proud of a children's picture book that I wrote last year with my friend David Miller called The Cat Who Lived with Anne Frank. And uh, we've developed an animated feature that is the cat's story. Uh, There really was a cat that lived in the attic in Amsterdam. And his name was Mushi. And our animated feature is called Mushi, the cat who lived with Anne Frank. We kind of refer to it as an American tale meets inglorious bastards.
0: Wow. Wow. That sounds good. (laughs) Sounds great, though. What an idea. All right. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you, Steve, for being on our show, Cracking the Code of Spy Movies, and for telling us all about your book, The James Bond Movie Encyclopedia. We think this is a great book for any of our listeners who love James Bond or a great gift for the James Bond fan in their lives. Order up. Thanks so much, Steve. This was fun. Oh,
1: it's been a pleasure, Dan and Tom, and may this spy movie navigator navigate to great success.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you this so is much, fabulous. Steve.
2: This has been Tom Pizzotto. And Dan Silvestri. Of spymovienavigator.com. Talking with Stephen J. Rubin about his book, The James Bond Movie Encyclopedia. Subscribe to our show right now on your favorite podcast app, like the one you're listening to us on right now. And tell your friends about us. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it.